We are in the book of Daniel and we started Daniel last week and I had planned to do it over two weeks but uh, last week did what last week does and I got through half of what I had planned to share so I have uh, mistakenly written the same amount again for today whilst also I'm going to try and get over the bit that I didn't do last week so your prayers are appreciated always. Uh, last week we were looking at Daniel being an incredible example of how to live in Scotland in 2023. And we said, come on, Stuart, that's ridiculous because that was, what, two and a half thousand years ago. How is that relevant in any way to where I am right now in my life? And so we touched on that last week and we got to the point where Daniel was swimming against the current of the current culture. He was taking a stand for God. He was not choosing the path of least resistance in life. He wasn't choosing the easy way out, but he was embracing what had to be done in order to honour God. And what we said last week was that he was able to do that with gentleness. We looked at 1 Peter chapter 3, give an account of the hope that's in you, but do it with gentleness and respect, so that you don't in any way rob yourself or the other person of what God wants to do in the moment. Who's ever been far too enthusiastic or perhaps even aggressive in a gentle British sense in a, in a dialogue or, or moment and you've, you've robbed the moment of what could have been? I've been there. If we look at it in terms of faith, maybe we've gone in far too enthusiastic and the person has stepped back, put the barriers up and we have almost robbed God of the moment to do what God wanted to do. But I love, Daniel is an amazing example of how you stand firm, but you stand well. So chapter one, we looked at a few things, and if we go to verses 15 and 16, I think we've not got it on there, but I'll read them uh, quickly here. At the end of the 10 days, this is them eating, so they refused to eat the, uh, the food that was offered them because it would have contravened, contradicted their the food laws of them as Jewish men. And after the the 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the men who were eating the food that had been offered to them. So the guards continued to remove their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. And we did emphasize last week that it may have been more than vegetables. And that was just purely for my benefit. So that, you know, I think there must have been oats and maybe some pulses and nuts and uh, potatoes. So the vegetables were fine. Was there salt and salt and vinegar as well? Here's hoping. They took a stand and God proved himself faithful. He always proves himself faithful. Bob Utley says that he thinks it was a supernatural thing. It wasn't just that they stopped eating certain things and therefore they were just naturally better. But actually he thinks that because they were honouring God, God literally multiplied or amplified 
the richness of what they were eating to make them look healthier so that they could be proven to be uh, right in standing for God. What is the purpose of all of that? Why go through all of that? We said that so that Daniel could remain in the world, but not of it. If he'd gone in all guns blazing, he would have been kicked out of the king's court and he would have robbed God of the opportunity to speak in that place. We said that the will of God is to is to see his people penetrate all areas of society, but never compromising who they are. And so Daniel, because he stands and he stands well, he remains in that place. God wants us to permeate the culture around us. And that just reminds me, chapter 2, verse 1. I think we can put that one up on the screen. Thank you, Daniel. I'm going to say Daniel and Daniel. Uh, so hopefully it will be clear which Daniel is which. Uh, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams that troubled him, and sleep deserted him. So the king gave orders to summon the magicians, mediums, sorcerers, and Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. When they came and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream, and I'm anxious to understand it. So he's reaching out beyond himself. Here is a moment of opportunity. And he's invited, including all of the, the, the Babylonian magicians, the Chaldean, the, the, the mediums, the sorcerers. He's also going to invite and draw in Daniel and Daniel's uh, closest companions. And it strikes me in reading this little portion, just something that we need to bear in mind as we move on this morning. God is at work in the lives of those that are yet to acknowledge him. We've talk, talked about that a lot. John chapter 16, I think it is. God is at work beyond us for his glory and so that the people may come to know him. God is at work in Nebuchadnezzar's life. He's given him dreams. Nebuchadnezzar at the moment is far from God. He is totally focused on himself. He is, what was that film? Was it Titanic? I'm the king of the world. Give Nebuchadnezzar a boat. He would have done that. He thought he was, he was the king of the world in a natural sense. And so God is at work in the lives of those who are yet to acknowledge him as God, doing what? Many things, convicting them of sin, but also here's what I love about this, creating opportunities for encounter with his own people. We've heard about that in Iran through the Baptist Union. They're getting dreams and visions in Iran. And the dreams and visions, even Christ himself is coming according to the word that's coming out of Iran. And Christ is coming and he's saying to them, go and find the people of the way. Go and find the Christian and they will tell you about me. Why? Because he wants, God wants people that are far from him to connect with people who are walking with him so that relationship and community can be built and, and that can be strengthened and let it sink in though. Think about your own life. People that are currently not walking with God. God is at work in their lives creating opportunities for encounter with you. How does that make you feel? For some of you, you think, bring it on. That sounds incredible. For some of you, I'm sure you think, actually, I'd rather not. Let's let Daniel and his companions inspire us this morning. God, by his spirit, orchestrating situations in the lives of people 
in this community two and a half thousand years ago and in our community today to connect us. And maybe, and here's another thing, maybe it's only you that can intervene in this moment. There's a thought. Now it's not ever only you, but maybe in this moment you're the best person to intervene. And so we just say, God, help. Now for some of you, you might say, God, help. For some of you, it be, God, help. Depending on your intonation of your voice, how you feel. But let's keep moving on. It can be uncomfortable. Two verses five and onwards. The king replied to the Chaldeans, my work is final. If you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be made a garbage dump. What a lovely guy. What a lovely chap. Historical studies have discovered that there were two dynamics there that were totally accurate in terms of history. The first thing is that people of that day, not of people of God, people of that day and of that culture would take the, the dissenters or those that they didn't agree with, they would tie them to wild beasts, animals, and they would make the animals disperse, tearing them limb from limb. They would tie them, they would bend trees down, tie them to different trees, and then let the trees flip back, and that was what was happening. So when we look at this, we think, this is a very real threat, a very real concern for every single person in this moment. We also know that not just the person, but their whole family was often taken out in, in the Babylonian culture. Their, their house would be destroyed. Basically, they would try and wipe the person off the face of the earth and any evidence of that person had been. So it's a very real threat for the people. But here we go. If you make the dream and its interpretation known to me, you receive gifts, a reward, and great honor from me. So make the dream and its interpretation known to me. Oh, dear. Let's keep going. Verse 10. The Chaldeans answered the king, No one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked anything like this of any magician, medium, or Chaldean. What the king is asking is so difficult that no one can make it known to him except the gods. Notice that. Let's see it on there. Small g, plural. Remember the culture we're in. Supernatural culture. They believed in the influence of an external supernatural power to come in and make clear what was not clear. The problem is they're going to look in the wrong places. No one can make known to him except the gods whose dwelling is not with mortals. Because of this, the king became violently angry, getting a sense of the character of the king. And he gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. This decree, the decree was issued that the wise men were to be executed and they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them as well. So Daniel's going to get drawn in to this. Incredible. It's deeply uncomfortable to stand in these moments. Daniel stands up beautifully. Chapter 2, verse 14 through to 18. Then Daniel responded, look at this, with tact and discretion. <laughs> I don't believe that, Daniel. Don't believe that. Daniel responded with tact 
And with discretion to Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon, he asked Ariok, the king's officer, why is the decree from the king so harsh? Then Ariok explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king an interpretation. Daniel went to his house and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah about the matter, urging them to ask the God of heaven, the God of the heavens, for mercy concerning this mystery. So Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. If you ever needed to attend a prayer meeting, that was the prayer meeting to attend. Beryl said last week it's so important for us to come to a prayer meeting. Do you know, I think if we were under that kind of pressure, we'd be at a prayer meeting. Amen? At the moment, we're in a kind of place of comfort and peace. And so we're just like, yeah, well, do you know, maybe go to a prayer meeting sometime. But in those moments, they understand that they need to be praying over this because there's only one solution and it is beyond them. The, the, the wise men of Babylon got it right in the sense that the solution is beyond us. But Daniel knows the solution can be found. Where does he go? He goes to the only place that really matters, and that is the God of heaven and earth, the source of the solution. And he goes there through corporate prayer. He gathers people together that love the Lord as he loves the Lord, and they, they pray together, swimming against the current. Last week we said from Tim Mackey, swimming against the current of culture, this culture, whatever culture, it's hard work. But swimming against the current of culture when you've got brothers and sisters beside you is infinitely easier. Amen? That's going to be our continued focus for this morning. So, let's go to the end of chapter 2 together. We're going to read chapter 2, verses 46 to 49. How am I doing? I'm going to get through probably half of this this morning, but that's fine. That's fine. 46 to 49. King Nebuchadnezzar fell face down, worshipped Daniel, and gave orders to present an offering and incense to him. Why? Because he went to a prayer meeting. And what happened at the prayer meeting? God came through for them. And Daniel, in his gentleness, but in his boldness, went before Nebuchadnezzar and told him what the dream meant. King Nebuchadnezzar fell face down, worshipped Daniel and gave orders to present an offering and incense to him. The king said to Daniel, your God is indeed God of God. Let that sink in. Your God is indeed God of God's Lord of Kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you were able to reveal this mystery. What did I say uh, just there? God is at work in the lives of those who are yet to acknowledge him as God, creating opportunities for encounter with him. There you go. Classic example of that. Where was I going to go? 49. Let's look at 48. Daniel uh, was promoted the king gave him many generous gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief governor over all the wise men of Babylon. My goodness, isn't that a turnaround? Just in one prayer meeting. Incredible. Maybe it was more than one, but we have one written. 
And Daniel, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or off to Abednego, however you want to say that, to manage the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court. So the people at the prayer meeting have been promoted to the highest office of the land to be an instrument for God in that space. That excites me. King Nebuchadnezzar begins to see the might of God. But is he there yet? No. And we'll see that as we carry on. Is he there yet? Is he in that place? We're about to go on a long car journey. Are we there yet? No. Is he there yet? Not quite, but almost. Daniel's gentle and wise boldness gives opportunity to demonstrate God in the highest court of the world. Not just the land, but the highest court of the world at that time. 49. He is, he is appointed and he surrounds himself with brothers who think the same way as he does. In your case, it can be brothers and sisters, whatever context you're in. Let's go to chapter 3. <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar, he made a gold statue. So are we saying, is he there yet? He's seen that Daniel's God is the God of gods. But do you notice that? God of gods. So he still thinks there's lots of gods. Daniel's God's something special, but there's other gods as well. Other gods in the sense of having a place of authority. He hasn't changed yet. He still sees himself as being the big chief, the big cheese of the moment. He made a gold statue, 90 feet high and 90 feet wide. 90 feet wide, 9 feet wide. Even bigger than what I have in my Bible. 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to assemble the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So they all come. Verse 3, they stood before the statue that he had set up. Verse 4, a herald loudly proclaimed. This is the Twitter of the day. This is the Facebook notification of the day. This is your, when your phone pings and it's a Sky News or BBC News or whatever else you go to. This is that moment. A herald loudly proclaimed, people of every nation and language, you are commanded, not requested, not invited, you are commanded. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall face down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship with, uh, will immediately, immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, etc., etc., they all fell face down and worshipped the gold statue that the king had set up. Verse 8, some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. Now that's happened throughout history, it's happening today, but it's happening because the Jews are not going to do that. Why were the 1st century, 2nd century, 3rd century church so persecuted? It was because... Go for it. Yeah. They wouldn't worship the Roman gods along with their god. 
All of the people that were in authority in all these cultures would say, you can have your God, but you also have to take ours. And your God is no better than our God, so don't amplify your God above our God. That's why Jesus, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's why it was so offensive. And that's why it's still so offensive today. If you try and say today, there's only one way, and it is through Christ. You know how that goes down in the world. The world demands allegiance. And in this moment, the demand is to bow down to this idol. But what is today's demand of the world? What are you being demanded to give allegiance to? Because it's happening. If we step back a moment and just think, what am I being told I must give allegiance to? What must I agree with? What must I embrace? The world will always demand allegiance. Every culture, I would propose every culture goes through the same patterns in time. They're encouraged to worship something collectively. And if it's not of God, that often moves to worshiping other things, idols, each other, themselves. Are we, are we there in our culture? I think we are. Romans 1 lays all that out as well. We don't have that, we won't go to that this morning. But Romans 1, if you want to see that laid out in a whole chapter, that's what it is. Why, 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 why though, the consistent historical move to worship something? Why are we always looking to worship something? Like I said to the young people, they've been created with a hunger for God in them. In the fabric of every human being, there is a hunger to worship and to know God. But, but people often will go elsewhere. Everybody has got that in them. A longing to worship something. Go back to the garden. It was God. And then when, when the, 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 the Satan, uh, the, the adversary came in, he drew them away from that to worship something beyond God, ideas beyond God. And then, of course, they started worshipping themselves. Humans always gravitate towards worship. We all do, and we're all guilty, perhaps, even sometimes of elevating, like we said at the start, with, with um, the gold and silver, we elevate things further than they need to be. We, we can worship things. Most of our community now worship something beyond God. They've got an allegiance to something beyond God. What do you see in our community? What do you see in our nation? Everyone's crying out to worship something. Now, nowadays it's often willing worship. People fixate on something and want to worship it, but we see, even in our own culture, that there is a sense of, if it isn't willing, then there's coercion. You must have allegiance to this. Come and do it willingly. Actually, I don't want to do that. No, 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 you must do that. There's a coercion that comes in when the world wants us to give allegiance and worship something. And they're often offering something that, that offers bold promises. Let's think about politicians. Every new politician that comes into play, they make bold promises, don't they? They say, we're going to do this, this, and this. Would you agree that, that it's very rare 
for any party to achieve what they said they would achieve. Often the promises that are made are, are false promises. They're empty promises. Let's flip that on its head and contrast that with the God of heaven and earth. The God who doesn't coerce, but he beckons, he invites, and he does that based upon what kind of promises? Good promises. Promises that have been demonstrated to be true. Here's the thing. Our challenge is to discern what we are giving our allegiance to, what we are worshipping, and make sure that we are focused on the right thing. How am I doing? Two minutes. Let me quickly just plant the seed for the next time. Uh, and let's go to chapter 3 again, verses 12. There were some Jews who have appointed, you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon. So they're talking to, to the king here, to the king's uh, leaders. There are some Jews who have appointed to manage the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are the three that were part of the prayer meeting. Daniel's companions. These men have ignored you, the king. Now the king wouldn't have been used to being ignored. That's why he flipped out every single time he heard people weren't doing what he said. Have you ever known someone that was so used to getting their own way that as soon as that was challenged? Nebuchadnezzar is one just like that. They've ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Let's look at his response. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm so pleased these names are in here repeatedly. Is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, etc., fall down and worship the statue I made. But if you don't worship it, you will be immediately thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And here's the thing. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Is he there yet? No. Can he get there? Yes. You read the story. <laughs> you read the book. Can he get there? Yes, he can. But he isn't there yet. The heat is turned up. Sorry, it's a terrible pun. But the heat is turned up on God's people in this moment. In exile. And that prideful taunt, that prideful taunt, what verse was it? 15. Was it 15? Yes. Who is the God that can rescue you from my power? What does that show us? It shows us that Nebuchadnezzar has got a very prideful heart, but it also, and here's where we're going to finish and we'll come to the rest next time. It gives God an incredible opportunity to demonstrate who he is in this moment. This is one of the most tense moments could find ourselves in. Daniel was going to be torn limb from limb along with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. That's of course their, their Chaldean names. The three of them, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, are going to get thrown into the fire. Does that move you to prayer? Yes. Prayer for what? Oh God save my skin or 
oh God, come and demonstrate your glory and your power in this moment. Thank you. 